This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, praise the Lord. Is everybody ready to get blessed tonight and changed by the Word of God, changed by the Spirit of God? Hallelujah. Let's pray over the Word, pray over the service here. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we know the end result of what we want tonight is to teach from your Word how to live a satisfied life. How to live a peaceful life. How to live a life that brings you glory, reaches out, and helps touch other people's lives when we leave here, Lord. We want to get people to heaven, Jesus. And we want to get heaven to people that are already here on earth so they can be blessed to be a blessing. And I thank you for everyone being able to pay full attention tonight, to take good notes, to hear with their hearts, with the ears of their heart, what the Holy Spirit's saying to them. And Lord, the most important thing is I pray that everyone here will be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving their own selves, Lord. They'll be doers. Thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Tonight we're going to be talking about how to live a satisfied life. How to live a satisfied life. And I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore that will really help you in that arena. One word from God will change your relationships. One word from God by the Culpas will change your relationships. This has got multiple authors in it, all writing different chapters on different subjects of uh, relationships uh, in families, uh, marriages, parents, and just everything you think of, relationships, employers, and all kinds of things in life. Joyce Myers is in here. Uh, the Copelands are in here. Jerry Savelle's in here. Mac Hammond's in here. Lots of ones. I mean, some of them, I can't even name them all. But anyway, it's got a lot of different flavors of teaching you how to get along with people. And I found out something a long time ago about the pastoring business and church business, that some people are a blessing and some people develop your prayer life. <laughs> I'll tell you what, some people put calluses on my knees, but praise God, it helped develop my character too, to learn how to love people and how to do things. But anyway, this book will teach you things such as that. And then here's one by Brother Hagen, understanding how to fight the good fight of faith. How to fight the good fight of faith. And we kind of hit on some of that Last couple of messages there of healing and things like that. But it's one thing to have faith. I've said this a lot of times. Uh, faith is like having gas in your tank. But if you don't know how to turn on the key, and then if you don't know how to turn on the key, you don't know how to put it in the right gear, and don't know how to steer it when it starts moving, man, you can have the best, hottest car in the whole world, the safest car, but if you don't steer it where you want it to go, you're going to crash. You can be a person who quotes all the Bible, knows... Lots of things about Jesus inside out and backwards and forwards and everything else. But if you don't know how to do something with what you've got, then you're not going to make it anyway. So anyway, these, this, these books are really excellent, awesome, and uh, they're in the bookstore and you need them. They will help your faith. As a matter of fact, Katie told me within the last month, she's had two great testimonies from people who bought that the relationship book by the Copelands there, how this helped their relationships. It changed things. Those are really good. And it would behoove you to get them. Now look at Third John verse two. Uh, what did I do? Slip into the Baptist church? I'm not putting down Baptist, but my grandma was a good Baptist. I used to go to the Baptist church. They'd be a quiet too when the preacher said something. But when we introduce Jesus, which is the Word of God, He and the Word One, that's a good time to cheer. Because you're not cheering for me, you're cheering for the Jesus in the words get ready to change your life. So let's turn to 3 John 2. <laughs> okay, 
Amen. And you know, if you're kind of carnal and have a hard time with that, act like you're watching your favorite football team on TV or your basketball team on TV. And you got your best friend there. You guys have fun watching those games. And you're cheering if a touchdown happens or somebody makes a three-pointer right at the end of the game. Just act like you're doing that then if you can't cheer for Jesus. <laughs> okay. Third John, verse 2. And also, also, I want to remind you, it's always a really good idea to bring a notebook, some paper, a pen or pencil, something to write with. Reason being... Life is serious. And when the Holy Spirit has a message just for you, it's one thing to come in and get blessed and get goosebumps and feel good inside of here. But if you go out there, goosebumps do nothing to run the devil off. It's what you learn and what you apply when you get out there brings peace into your home, brings healing to your children, to your body, causes your job to be what you want it to be. And so it's really good to take notes. I really encourage you to do that. I've done it all my Christian life, and it's really, really, really helped me. And so 3 John, verse 2, Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, said this, Beloved, I wish, or my center column says in the Greek, it says, I pray that in all things. He says, I pray that in all things you may prosper and be in health, and here's what we'll be looking at tonight, the even as thy soul prospers thing. We'll be majoring on the even as thy soul prospers things. And so, uh, you know, I know that uh, we're not going to be talking, majoring on the prosperity and the health part. But you notice that's the first thing it says. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to win in life. He doesn't want you broke. He wants you to prosper. And that limited health there is talking about divine healing and divine health. And a lot of Christians do not even know there's such a thing as divine healing and divine health. Divine health means you just stay so full of Jesus, His Word, His Spirit, that sickness doesn't bother your body. You may be getting old and going to die someday, but you can get old healthy. You can get old and someday just get tired of living, ready to go to heaven because you've done all you need to do and be able to look up to heaven and say, Jesus... Anything else I need to do before I go? And you're up there in years? And you accomplish your mission? Just say, Jesus, I think I'll go to sleep tonight. I'd love to wake up at heaven in the morning because I've fulfilled my call. Amen? Well, that's divine health, living like that. And then divine healing is if you get sick, be able to receive healing from God and not stay sick. If you have something chronic that's not going to kill you, they're going to be hindering you all your life where you have to live off medications and treatments and all kinds of things and live long, but just always have to be pilled up and doctored up. I'm not knocking anybody's living that way. But God wants you to be able to be delivered off the pills and the medical things to receive divine healing so you step back into divine health. Amen? So that's what he's talking about there. That word prosper, I'll point out a couple of things about it. That word prosper, one flavor that means to cause to succeed, Especially economic success. Especially economic success. It means to flourish and to thrive. To flourish and to thrive. And thrive means to gain in wealth or possessions or to progress toward or realize a goal. God wants you to have goals in life. God wants you to accomplish your goals in life. And faith 
will help you accomplish your God-given goals that he puts on the inside of your heart. But the Greek word for that prosper is eudo, that's E-U-O-D-O-O, and that means to help on the road or succeed in reaching. To help on the road or succeed in reaching. And so this prosperity here is not just talking about money. That's talking about a prosperous life. And your life, that means your relationships prosper. That means your marriage prospers. That means your child training with your children prospers. That means your relationship with your children as they're teenagers, it prospers and it works out. That means your employer-employee, your job relationships work out. That means you have peace of mind. You don't have a, a, a messed up head, mental problems, dementia, Alzheimer's, you get goofed up in life. Because that's not a prosperous life if you got $2 million in the bank and your mind's going out and you're dying not knowing anybody around you. That's not a prosperous soul. He said he wants you to prosper and succeed in reaching. I know my goal in life is to be a blessing to my children, to my grandchildren, to great-grandchildren, do all God wants me to do ministry-wise reaching people, and then... But it's that time for me to go to be able to look up to heaven and say, Jesus, is there anybody else in my family I need to do anything for? Want to hold my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren on my knee and bless them in the name of Jesus. That's a prosperous life. To be able, and then also on top of that, of course, to have the money. And so God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And so this, even as our soul prospers, to talk about that, I wrote something down. I just want to read it how I wrote it. Anyone, unsaved, unsaved people, atheists, people of different religions that reject Jesus even and hate Christians can make a lot of money. They can have luxury cars. They can, hold, they can even own multiple homes and mansions. Have all kinds of wealth. Yet never enjoy peace of mind. Because of family problems, worried about their money and investments, and worried about their health. That's not prosperity. Having money is not prosperity. Prosperity is blessed spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially. In every area of life. When you're blessed, when you're blessed in every arena of your life, then you are prosperous. And of course, that will, that will include having more than enough money. Will that mean you'd be a millionaire? Well, if you live in Beverly Hills, you probably need to be a millionaire. If you live in Barstow, you don't necessarily need to be a millionaire to be prosperous. You just need to have more than enough money to be a blessing and be blessed. Amen. And so wherever you're at, the dollar amount's a relative thing to where God's got you planted. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Yeah, I thought so too. And so for a serious believer, we must know a healthy spiritual life will always produce a satisfied physical life. A healthy spiritual life will always produce a satisfied and, and peaceful and contented physical life. I always like to say it this way because it's the truth. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. You know, I'll just ask you a question for serious believers. Have you ever noticed... That those seasons where you're really faithful in church attendance and you really do read things like devotionals, you really do turn off TVs and internets and take some extra time to pray and read your Bible or a good faith book, how peaceful life is. 
And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, life sneaks up. You're too busy the day to read your Bible. You got to run because you got to go. And by the end of the day, you're kind of going. And then Sunday comes and you really had to you've had to burn the midnight oil. All week long. This is my one day. I can sleep in. This is my one day. I can get some rest. And so by the time that Sunday's over with, you didn't really rest. You probably watched goofy TV that put fear and unbelief and doubt into you. Or whatever else you did. And by the time Monday comes, it's like forgetting to fill your gas tank up on Friday. And then Monday comes and you start your car. Oh, man, I'm running on fumes. I don't even know. Oh, I hope I'm praying. Pray for my gas tank. Be blessed. Lord, help me make it to work. Well, if you don't get your tank filled up on Sunday, spiritually, that's how you are on Monday. You get into work Monday and you're grouchy. You're grouchy with your fellow employees. And if you're the boss, you're mean to the employees. And if you're the employee... You're finding out ways to get out of work that day because you just don't feel up to it because you didn't get anything to help you go. But even with those six rough days, if you took that seventh day to come and get filled in, hang around Christians with anointing, got in the corporate anointing to praise and worship Jesus, and started getting that anointing on you, get filled up in you. By the time Monday comes, you don't even feel like you missed anything. You feel, man, I'm all charged up. I am ready to go again. Let's hit this thing again, Jesus. I'm ready to go out here and be a witness for you. Amen. And so I want to say it again, the spiritual always, always determines your natural, good or bad. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Hallelujah. And so I want to teach you the only way to develop a healthy spiritual life. And I want, I want, I want to say this here too. Now listen to this. This is, this, this is, uh, what I've learned out of lots and lots and lots of years of pastoring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, if you choose to ignore what I'm going to teach you for this next passage, a pastor or anyone else can't really help you find much peace of mind or contentment in life. If you ignore Bible principles that God gave to give peace and contentment, nobody can really help you. Because if you won't let God help you, how can a man help you? I want to say it again. If you won't let God help you, how can a man help you? And so I want you to turn to Psalms 1, verse 1. Psalms 1, verse 1. And I want to say it again. I hope you're taking good notes. And, you know, most of the time, most of the time, uh, these will be on the Internet later on anyway, the podcast and that kind of thing. And they even... We still have those antiques called CDs. I remember when CDs was the latest thing, and uh, we still had cassette tapes. But cassette tapes, man, they bit the dust now. But uh, we still have CDs. If you want to buy CDs, they still sell to CDs. But I know that for me, I like freebies myself. And so I like to just go on the Internet, just punch that thing. They'll go to hdwc.org, our, our church website. And then on there, there's a thing that says, the link says podcast. I just push it. Most everything we do here come on that. Sometimes there's things we don't put on there. Most everything's on there. So take good notes, but by all means, go back and listen to the podcast. Now, Psalms 1, I want to major on these first three verses. It says, blessed. And that word blessed in the Hebrew means empowered to prosper. Empowered to prosper. 
It's hard to prosper is the man or the woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. That means the word of God. That means they love to hear the word of God. They love to read their Bibles. They love to read spiritual books that teaches the Bible. They love to listen to tapes and CDs and things that have Bible sermons on them. They love to listen to podcasts, internet things that are teaching the Word of God. Because that means you're light and you're loving in the Word of God. And, you know, I just want to say something else. You know, so it's so easy to look at your life every day and look at here. I know that most people, I'm not one of them, but most people are really into music. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, most people really like good Christian gospel music. And I'm not one of the people, I mean, I sing and I love Jesus, but I'd rather have the Word of God going across my tape player. Across, I mean, that's just me. So I'm not knocking the other music. But let's, let, let me just say this. How many here, whether it's Christian music, and this is not going to something to embarrass anybody, just something just to give you an example. How many here, by listening to either gospel music, country music, rock and roll, uh, big band era music, or anything else, how many here that have fed on music all the time can unconsciously sing songs? No, raise your hand. Just be honest. How, how many, how many, if you're going through a store and you hear a 1950s or 60s rock and roll song, the man just starts coming out of you, man, you're walking through the store, you're jiving, and you're singing the words to it because you know it. Well, just think about this. If you were to spend some more time listening to some of your favorite preachers preach sermons, quote verses, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, those of you that sit on me regularly hear me preach all the time, all of a sudden, you'll be starting to face something in life. You'll say, wait a minute. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad, because you hear me say that all the time. And then you realize, wait a minute. This week is not going good. I've been out of the Word. I've been out of church for two weeks. And all of a sudden, instead of an old song coming out, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Lord, forgive me. I'm getting hooked back up. I'm getting back in. I'm going to open my Bible. And then you probably pray this prayer. Jesus, please help me find my Bible. <laughs> uh, look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about us. We always know where our Bibles are. Amen. Amen. Find my pages again. I love my fan, but my fan... Blows my pages sometimes. There it is. Okay. And so it says that in his law, he likes the Lord, in his law does he meditate day and night. And here's what I want to get to, and then we'll talk about how to get to this place. And he or she, the believer, that is a doer of verse 1 and verse 2, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Shall prosper. That's what we're talking about, prosperity of the soul, prosperity in every area of our life. And so he tells you, you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. I don't know nearly as much about California as everybody here does. You know, I've, in 12 years I've seen some of it, been some places, but I remember... Went down to Orange County about the first year I was here. Some people took us down there visiting. 
I'd never seen an orange tree before. And so we was even driving in neighborhoods down there that still had orange trees. And I was shocked at the oranges falling out of that place in the street we was driving on. That all you had to do was stop and pick up oranges off the sidewalk and run out into the curb. That wasn't stealing because they was out there just to grab because they fell off. Those trees were fruitful trees. They had so much fruit that it fell off for the easy picking. And he says, we, that we're going to look at verse 1 and verse 2, say we'll be like that tree that bears our fruit. And you know, I've always said it this way about the fruit. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells about the fruit of a Christian. Calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Said the fruit of the Spirit in a Christian walk with God's life is love, joy, peace. Peace. Long-suffering. Roughness. No, it says gentleness. Amen. Gentleness. It says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Faithfulness. Meekness. Means being a teachable person. Not always wanting to bicker and argue. Meekness. Temperance. Means self-control. And it says against such, no law can prevail. And so that means that if you're a Christian and somebody's picking on you, if you're picking on an orange tree, what are you going to get? If you're picking an apple tree, what are you going to get? If you're picking a banana tree, what are you going to get? If you're picking on a tomato plant, what are you going to get? If you're picking on a Christian that's walking with Jesus, what should you get? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, temperance. That's what you get off a Christian. And so instead of coming to saying, <clears throat> they're picking on me at work, you know, y'all be saying, glory to God, I got picked on today. And man, they got a mouthful for me. Love, joy, peace. They picked on me today. Thank you, Jesus. I got picked on just what you wanted. I got to bear fruit today, Jesus. Well, this tells you in verse 1 and verse 2 what to do. It says you'll bear your fruit in your season. I want to say something else, too. I saw out here this... Uh, Different where I came from. Where I came from, they got more watered grass, streams, ponds, lakes, rivers than they do dirt. It seems like about the Midwest, everywhere they got water. But I found out something in the desert out here. As a matter of fact, our visitors from Indiana over the weekend told us they was shocked. They was looking at their Google apps and their maps and said Mojave River showed this great big thing. Said we looked and we looked. We looked. We couldn't find any Mojave River. We saw the size of it. Where's the river? And so the spiritual example I'll give you is this. When we went down, we still, I was down there the other day, you go down uh, Main Street, or actually Hickley Road, between 58 and Main Street, that area there, you come to a place down there around the Hellendale area almost, all of a sudden there's green stuff everywhere because the Mojave's so much closer up down there that you can see there's something down here that's giving water to these plants and these trees. They're growing big and green because <clears throat> they got... Close to the source. Well, he said that we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And when you see a Christian that's walking in love and joy and peace, they're faithful, they walk in self-control, they're disciplined Christians, and they've always got a good report. What's a good report mean? They've always got a good testimony. No matter what's going, good or bad, they can say, praise the Lord anyway. Hallelujah, God's going to come through. I don't care how big and how bad it looks. God's bigger and better. Amen. God's greater. They think I'm facing life. You know why? Because they've got the roots down next to the river of life. Next to Jesus. Next to the Holy Ghost. 
and you'll see them bearing that kind of fruit. They're not going to be some dried up uh, tumbleweed. You know, back in Indiana years ago, the Lord gave I didn't know what a tumbleweed was except watching old cowboy shows. But you know what a tumbleweed, a Christian tumbleweed is? They never get roots in a church. So they tumble around. They tumble around. When you get rooted in the family of God and your roots go down, you'll get blown around by every wind of doctrine. The devil doesn't huff and puff and blow your house down. Your roots are down. And because your roots go down deeper than what they see on top of the ground, you know, that's the way it is with trees. There's a whole lot more root system in those tall trees than they're all tall trees you see. With that root system down there sucking in that nourishment from that water, then that tree doesn't get moved. And that's the way Christians are. They get rooted in their church family, and those roots go down deep. Storms of life come. They might get blown around, bruised up a little bit. When the storm clears, they're still standing. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so I want to look right here, now back to verse 1, because our goal is verse 3. We want to bear fruit, and we want to live long. And so it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so this verse right here, he's going to tell you about three kinds of people that God says you aren't to pal around with or hang out with as your bosom buddies. That is, if you want to prosper in life. If you want to have peace, if you want to have joy, if you want to be a Christian, that's able to do all God wants you to do. There's three kinds of people, right? here says you are to hang out or pal around with. And I want to say this before I look at these. Because we aren't a bunch of wacky Christians in this church. They're going to hide on the mountain and wait till God comes back. We're going to be Christians and know how to mix in with the world around us without the world getting into us, but us getting into the world, helping them. Amen. And so this doesn't mean we're to be rude to these kinds of people we're getting ready to look at or shun them. We can't let our light shine or witness unless we're hanging around these kinds of people. How's your light going to shine in the world if you're not around people of the world? It's one thing to work with people. It's one thing to have family and friends that don't know Jesus. But I'll tell you one thing. If all you ever do is go to the ball games with the beer drinkers and the cussers, and the people can't stand anything about Christianity, you're going to get pulled down. In my life, over the years, I've went to the ball games with the beer drinkers. I don't do it every week. This is what he's talking about. He said, he said, says, says walking not with them. I walked with them when I was a truck driver on the job. That's my job. So I'd spend 8 or 10, 12 hours a day, every day with sinners. But when it came time for my off time, my light had already shined. For 12 hours that day. My Christian witness had already been with them all day long. And when I got off work, I didn't have to go down to the bar. I'd just go drink a Coke while they drink their beer. I don't have to hang out with them when I leave. I'm going to hang out with believers. Why is that? Because the Bible tells me right here how to be blessed to be empowered to prosper. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Christians in our society are around sinners at unbelievers almost nonstop. It's one thing to be around them and be the witness. It's another thing to love to hang around the sin. You love to hang around the sin, the sin's going to get in you and on you again. Best example I know, boy, I, I hate this, what I'm going to tell you. I, I'm going to get to this here. i got some good stuff here. I led my younger brother to the Lord back in 1981. 81, yeah, 81. Led him and his wife to the Lord. 
they were alcoholic druggies. For a season, the Lord had me and my wife go down to their house in the country. It was so stupid. I don't know how to obey God. We went down there on Saturdays and we played euchre with them. We did that three or four Saturdays in a row. Since I've been, there's nothing wrong with euchre. But I got better things to do with my time. But I went down there with her and we played played euchre with my alcoholic druggie brother and his wife for three or four weeks. And our light was shining. We were witness to him. We led him both to Jesus. Praise God. We was on an assignment. We went down there on an assignment. And what I'm getting to is this. So my brother, we got him filled with the Holy Ghost. We got him speaking in tongues. Took him to church. They started getting a hold of the Word. We got him turned on to listen to Kenneth Copeland. To listen to Jerry Savelle. We took him to Lester Summerall's church. We did everything we could to get them where we were. And then later on that year, my grandpa died. And the, the, most of the samples were alcoholics. I was a pretty serious drinker before I got saved. But anyway, my grandpa died. And so when the funeral was over with, the samples did what they always did. Well, it's a good time to drink. So they went across the funeral home to the tavern they liked to drink at. So my younger brother, who's a baby Christian, wanted to go with him. I said, Jay, don't do it. I said, don't do it, man. You're not strong enough. You can't handle that. He said, oh, I'll go over there and witness to him. He went over there and drank with him to try to witness to him. So I'm showing him that, you know, Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, for the next, until he died, probably, what do you think, 25 years? 25 years, he was an alky, a druggie, a con man, hidden out of his times in church. Come back to church, well, he never did get it back. He ended up dying at a young age. Whole thing was, he went back to hang around with the old crowd. He thought he could hang around with those guys and be a Christian witness, but he wasn't strong for it. One time after I'd been saved for lots of years, matter of fact, we might have even been in the ministry by then, I got a call from another one of my drunky, drug, drugged up brothers to come down to a tavern. He was said, the usual phone call, hey, come on down, won't hurt anything. You come down, you drink a Coke or something. Man, there's some guys down here you can witness to. Well, in my heart, I knew God said, go. And so I went to that tavern, and there's two older gentlemen in there. I call them older. I was a young dude then, man. This is in their 50s. Yeah, they're old men. Well, they're kids now. But anyway, went to this place, and these two guys in their 50s were playing pool. So I sat beside the table there, and they hooked up with me, and I knew that was my case. I sat there and drank a Coke and talked to those guys. I led both those guys to the Lord there in the tavern. And it turned out one of them was a backslidden guy raised in a Christian home. And then I saw my brother about a year later, and he said, they're pastor to church now. One's the pastor, the other one's the, the assistant pastor. And so what I'm saying is that's the only time in my whole Christian life I've hung around a tavern. I was on assignment from God. I didn't go in there to sin. I went there to pull sinners out. And in your life, if you enjoy hanging around with sinners more than Christians, I don't think you're going to be empowered to prosper. And you understand what I'm saying again? God gives us assignments to go in and get them rescued, but we don't have God's permission to go enjoy the sin. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's getting real quiet this Presbyterian church. Amen. Amen. And so it's, he said here that, uh, that we bless the man that walked out of the council ungodly, and so an ungodly person, 
doesn't just mean an unsaved person. This is a category of person, ungodly person. It could be a religious person that goes to church multiple times a week, even teaches Sunday school or ushers. But how do they live? Going to church doesn't make you a godly person if you don't live it when you leave it. What do they watch on television? Who's their social friends on the Internet? Who do they pal around with? What's that again? Because it's about walking with somebody. Amos 3.3, God said, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Talk about us walking with him. It's the same thing on earth. And this walking with means who you hang out with. I want to emphasize that. It's not just, you know, rubbing shoulders and being part of people all around you. But I've seen Christians that love to hang out with beer drinkers, marijuana smokers, more than other Christians. But you know what? They didn't have a very fruitful Christian life either. I've, I've done better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so, uh, does their everyday life line up with the moral principles and values of the Bible? You know, these people, they could be church people, but be ungodly people. You know, there's some sinners I've seen that have better morals than some church people. Hallelujah. Well, we better get to number two. <laughs> Amen. And this other kind of person, or standeth in the way of sinners. There's a difference between an ungodly person and a sinner. An ungodly religious person doesn't practice what they preach. They'll preach it to you, but they won't live it themselves. But a sinner has never received Jesus yet, and their conscience will allow them to do just about anything. The sinner's conscious, the voice of the inner man, will allow them to do just about anything. Depends on how regenerate their family raising is, what they'll do. But the thing is that when you're born again, at least in your spirit, even before you know much about the Bible, you know right from wrong then. And you want to do things different. And of course, of course, a sinner would be an ungodly person too. And so, you know, I just want to reiterate, you're around sinners Every day, all day long. And the Bible says right here, blessed is the man that doesn't walk, doesn't hang out, doesn't pal out. Their favorite pastime isn't hanging out with people who practice sin. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. We're talking about how to live a peaceful life, how to live a contented life, how to live a satisfied life. And so anyway, if you want to develop and, and grow strong spiritually... You must not make it your habit to spend all your off time, all your recreation time, all your fun time. And I'm not saying, I want to say it again. I'm not saying knock sinners out of your life, family members, family members and other people. Things like that. Man, you can have vacation with those guys. You can hang out and do stuff. But if that's 100% of who you're hanging out time is with, it's going to get on you. That's going to affect your spiritual life. And so number three kind of person is this nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. A a scornful person is one that murmurs, complains, and whines about everything, but does nothing to change anything. Murmur, complain, everything's negative, 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 negative. And you know, for us as Christians, if we don't watch out, that gets on us anyway if I hang around people that act that way. But have you ever noticed... That you hang around a whiner, it gets on you, you start whining. 
You get around a negative person, you start getting negative. And you know what's the popular thing? They say it went viral. And so you hang around a scorner, you're going to catch a spiritual virus. And you're going to go viral. And when you go viral, that means you're vomiting on everybody around you. That means you're throwing up. That means you're whining, complaining, murmuring, leaving the church. And Well, there he went again. I can't believe he talked about that again. Or, well, did you see who's sitting in front of me tonight? That hypocrite. What's she doing back in church? I work with her. You know how she acted this week? Yeah, this she goes to church. Then you goofball, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. <laughs> You're right there with her. Oh, well, get on out of that. <laughs> no, I talk about these negative people. You hang around negative people, you're going to be negative. And that's what he says right here. If you're negative, if you're anti, if you're anti everything that God's for, guess what? You're not going to be that blessed as the man or woman. Because you're walking with these people. And so the opposite of blessed man, you're going to live a cursed life. It's not going to be good. Amen. I'll tell you, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm preaching, man. I'll tell you what, some of the stares I'm getting, I can tell... I've hit a vein. Man, I've hit something. You know, I, I had to get some blood drawn a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and sometimes when you're preaching, it looks like you're trying to draw blood. You see the thing? <laughs> oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, you've got to choose wisely your friends. That's what the Bible says. And so let's wrap it up in verse 2 and verse 3. So he tells you what not to do. He tells you the kind of people not to hang out with. And so then he says, but on the contrary, his delight is in the law, Lord, word of God. And in his law, does he meditate day and night? Now, write this definition down. I do hope you're taking notes. Write this definition down. So this word meditate, it doesn't mean to be one of those, uh, I don't know, people, I don't know what you call them, man. Sit around doing the arms together, the... Tried to zone in or whatever they call it. I don't know. But the meditate, the Hebrew means to ponder by talking to oneself. And the Hebrew denotes an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. Active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. And so what that's saying, your delight is in the word of God, it is law, in his word, do you speak it out loud day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. There's a difference between meditation and memorization. You can memorize history books. You can memorize a speech. You can memorize uh, ballgame scores. When you meditate in the word of God... I've heard a lot of preachers give the example. It's like the cows. How many stomachs are supposed to have four stomachs? or so, Whatever. Said cows regurgitate. Said they chew stuff, and then it goes to another stomach. They bring it back up, and they chew it again. And it goes to another stomach, and filters. They bring it back up, and they chew it again. They get every possible bit of nutrition out of those things they can get. And that's what it means about the Word of God. Did you see what he said there? At the end, he says, your roots planted by the rivers of water. 
as you begin to speak the word of God out loud, as you regurgitate, break it up again, recite it again. You're not just memorizing it. Memorization is totally head. Meditation is of the spirit. And when it's in your spirit, I can quote so many Bible verses because I've meditated in it for 37 years. They come out of my spirit, not my head. People say, well, how'd you remember that? And I'll say, man, I haven't thought about that verse for 15 years. It came out of my spirit. Because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, John 14, 26, Jesus said, will bring everything my remembrance, he said unto me. And so, if you're going to be a person that has a prosperous soul, which causes you to prosper in life, which causes you to live a satisfied life, you must, if you don't do it already, you must develop the spiritual discipline of meditation in the Word of God. You've got to begin to meditate. It's so easy to get verses to meditate on now. Back when I first got saved, well, they had none of this kind of stuff we got now. And so my thing, I learned off my pastor. I did what he did. I bought a package of three by five cards. And I would, one by one as a baby Christian, write verses on there that God led me to. I carried them in my pocket. And in truck driving things. And when I would be someplace delivering, instead of sitting there looking at Playboy magazine stuff, people had laying around, or tell dirty jokes, or lifting truck drivers, talking about the latest stupid stuff, I'd sit there, reach in my pocket, I'd pull it out. I'd say, Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth away the sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. I would just over and over and over and over do that all the time. But I would get home, I'd have my Bible by the side of my bed, and I would pick it up. I'd read them out loud. I'd read them out loud. I'd read them out loud. I was reciting the Word of God. I was talking out loud to myself. And I know the one time uh, somebody, a truck driver, someone talked and said, What are you doing, talking to yourself? And I said, Yeah. He said, Do you answer yourself? I said, Yeah. Because <laughs> I did. It's the Bible. You know, I wasn't trying to be goofy. I don't try to do that in front of people just to make put on a show. Well, what am I going to say? I'm not going to lie. I'm a Christian. And so, so we'll be wrapping this up right here. So anyway, he says that you're not supposed to hang around with the wrong kind of people. We're supposed to meditate in the word. What's that thing get loud or something? We're supposed to meditate in the word day and night. And then you like that tree planted by the river of water. You break forth your fruit, your season. So we'll close with that. To grow up spiritually... And develop a strong spiritual life so you can live a satisfied life. You have to develop the discipline of meditating in the Word of God. I'll leave this with you. There's different ways I meditate the Word of God. Sometimes, if I'm wanting to grow stronger in the area of healing, I'll start in the Old Testament, work my way through the New Testament, reading healing verses out loud. If it's about money things, material needs being met, I'll start in the Old Testament, work way to the New Testament, reading financial provision scriptures out loud. If it's about my love walk, how I treat other people, I'll start reading verses of the Bible about love your neighbors, you love yourself, reading them out loud. And then sometimes, like our Bible study we're doing all the time on the Internet for the church, I read those verses out loud, and when I look at them, I ask myself questions. I pray and say, Lord, what can I see in this that will help me be a better Christian today? And meditate that way. So anyway, find what works for you. Different things at different seasons you'll do. But the most important thing is, if you will choose your friends wisely, 
and fall in love with the Word of God and meditate in it, God says you'll break forth good fruit. God says your fruit won't fail and you'll be a fruit-bearing Christian and you'll live a satisfied life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.